Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again this week. Uh, Excited to be uh, with Brother Neil Knight. Um, again, brother, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Um, for those that uh, uh, are, are, are regulars to the podcast, last time we had Brother Knight on, he helped us understand the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you missed that episode, man, go back. It's two episodes, um, but it's worth it's worth your time. It's uh, it was it was informative. You'll be on the edge of your seats. <laughs> you won't be able to put it down. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great episode. And we're we're so blessed to have uh, Brother Knight with us. Uh, we we at the institute here in Boise just consider him kind of our resident scholar, and mm. and so we love having him uh, on the podcast uh, to talk with us. Um, we have a little bit of a big block today. Uh, it's Matthew eight, Mark two through four, and Luke seven. Um, and in talking before we hit record here, uh, Brother Knight said that he wants to just mostly focus in Mark two through four, uh, just because of the duplication from chapter to chapter. But I'll let you uh, dive into that. Um, Anything new in your life since last time we had you on? Anything you want to share? Let's see. <laughs> Did we talk last time after I'd had shoulder surgery? No, this was before your shoulder surgery. Oh, so I have yeah, had uh, <laughs> I had shoulder replacement surgery, and and uh, uh, you guys out there listening won't see this, but he's lifting his arm. I can go all the way up, up there, man. and I don't even grimace anymore. <laughs> so it's getting better. Good, it's good, better. Yeah, <clears throat> it's good to have you back here. You were gone for a little while, but. Well, with that, let's uh, let's jump in. So, uh, where where do you want to start us? How do you want to get us into this? Well, I'd like to. I don't know what, what has been done before me. Pretend nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that's a weird. You'll thought, be close. <laughs> You'll be close. <laughs> um, just you know, since we're spending most of the time in Mark, I just thought a little bit about Mark. Not a lot. You can find sure. a whole bunch of information, but but for what we're talking about today, Mark is. His gospel is the action gospel. Yeah. A lot of action words and immediate words, like mm-hmm. immediately, mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's on the move. Christ is on the move. He's doing things. Yeah. And um, in a way, he spends more time on miracles mm-hmm. than the other gospel writers do. Sure. For example, uh, Matthew, 12% of his book is devoted to Christ's miracles. Mark is 25. Wow. Luke 13 John nine percent. So he's wow. he's like double. He's like like Matthew and Luke combined. Yeah, it's the shortest one, but uh, the highest percentage of, of miracles. And so, I, I think it's kind of interesting to stop and, and just think about miracles a little bit in in this way. Yeah. Why did Jesus do miracles? Hmm. What was the reason uh, that he would do them? Yeah, my when you asked that question, my mind went to. <coughs> uh, a few times where he talks about he's talking to someone and and says equivalently, you're not going to believe unless I do a miracle, right? And and so maybe uh, maybe there was some of that to just a little bit of proof. Yeah, 
Yeah, in fact, when 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 the the, the Pharisees uh, to mention one skeptical group would would say, "Show us a sign." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Greek word there, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, the Greek word there is the same word for miracle. Oh, really? And so they're asking for a miracle. A miracle. It, it's not just their faith isn't very good, but they have a specific thing they want to see. Yeah. Of course, the irony is, as, as time goes on, he has done so many miracles that it's kind of ridiculous for them Silly to keep asking that question. Yeah, that they're question. still asking. And, and, Show us again. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. Don't, we don't believe those things. And finally, they have to come up with a... Uh, a, a way to work around it, and they say, "Well, he's doing it by the power of Satan." Yeah, right. So, yeah, he's doing them, but yeah, but, but well, I'm, the I'm reminded of the man that came to him maybe in just last week's uh, "Come Follow Me" block was man came to him with a daughter that was uh, or a, a child, and I think it was a, a a daughter that had the fever, and said, "Heal my daughter," and and he didn't go with him, and then that interaction was, "You you won't believe unless I heal her," and she's a miracle happens. And then he goes home, and straightway she's healed. And but yeah, I, I think there's there's something significant to uh, our need, really, still to yeah. see miracles. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and other reasons that he did it is he simply loved people, had compassion for yeah. them, helped relieve their suffering. Yeah. He did it to uh, increase the faith of those who already believe. Yeah. Miracles don't necessarily convert, in yeah. spite of what the Pharisees were saying, you know, right, yeah. if we, you want us to believe. Yeah, it, his mom, right, he does he, the water to wine when Mary asks, yeah. you know, what, what do you want me to do? I'll, I'll do whatever you ask, yeah. right? Love that story. Yeah, maybe there's a message there to us too, right, that mm -hmm. he wants to help us and, and bless us. Yeah. The, the quote from President Nelson comes to my mind, and, and I'm sure you've got other things to talk about in the in the miracle here, but or on miracles, um, but uh, President Nelson said, Our Savior and Redeemer Jesus Christ will perform some of His mightiest works between now and when He comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. That is the quote just previous to the one that many of us know, but in coming days it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. He, he prefaced that requirement to have the Holy Ghost with us by saying, we're going to see some pretty mighty miracles, maybe his mightiest, um, between now and the time he comes. But in order to see them, we'll have to have the Holy Ghost with us yeah. and recognize them that way. I, th I think it's interesting, too, um, that sometimes we look at scriptures and we go, miracle, 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 right. miracle. And we look at today yeah. and, we, and we just don't see that. Yeah. And, and I, th I think there's a, a couple of reasons for that. One is, in scriptures, we're often getting the highlights. Yeah, sure. And, and so it seems like, and they were happening. Right. And um, President Kimball made a, a statement, which uh, I didn't think to look up, but he said there are miracles happening today just as much as any other time. Right. And, and they are being recorded and, and preserved. Yeah. But we don't publicize them. Right, yeah. The purpose of the Gospels is to publicize sure, them. Sure, for sure. But... Um, and there was a reason for him to do that. Yeah. Um, also, they they show his power. So, it, it, so Christ, you know, it, it, another reason that he did them was was to, to demonstrate his power yeah. and different miracles. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but maybe people will think of examples as I kind of list them off. He showed his power over sickness. Sure. All a lot of that. Right, yeah. Um, over all nations, mm -hmm. because he wasn't just blessing and, and healing and, and sure. the Jews. He yeah. was doing others occasionally right, with, yeah. with some reservation right maybe. yeah <laughs> but but he did 
over both men and women mm -hmm. because he was blessing both. Yeah. He showed his power over nature, and that's one we'll look at a little bit today, okay. over devils, mm -hmm. uh, over sins, and over death. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they show who he is, they show his love and compassion, they show his power, and, and the message there to me um, is if, if Jesus can work these kinds of miracles, if he has that kind of power, if he can heal the blind mm -hmm. or the lepers, then someone like me that is sometimes blind and sometimes a spiritual leper, maybe, sure, yeah. he, can, he can take care of me too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that, yeah. that thought. You know, the, the, the idea occurs to me that sometimes when I think of my issues compared to someone that's blind and having their sight restored, my issues seem pretty simple. And, uh, and maybe, there's, maybe there's a reason for those miracles on that scale being given to show, look, I, I, can, I can heal all these things. I can, I can control the elements in your body. Why couldn't I help you overcome a trial that you're struggling with? Yeah. Or, you know, <clears throat> and not that not that all things other than ailments and illnesses and weaknesses that way are um, trivial. They're not, um, or all things the other way aren't trivial, right? But but he has all the power, <laughs> right, to control all the elements. So mm -hmm. why not the chemicals in my brain? Sure, if that's what he chose to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank well, you. Well, I'd like to to start us off then in Mark chapter two. Okay. Verse 1. Okay. Want and me to read it? And again, uh, sure. Oh, you can read it. I want you to read. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to read. Okay. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, in the house. Here's a place that I would like to just pause and, and make a suggestion to people, and that is that you always have the related content open yeah, right. in, in paper scriptures, footnotes, sure. because it... Uh, Sometimes it's minor little insight. Sometimes it's kind of cool stuff. In this yeah. case, in the house means he was at home. Yeah. Probably Peter's home. Sure. Um, and, and Capernaum was his home base. Uh, northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, right on a major highway um, mm. between Egypt and Syria and, mm. and beyond. A uh, thriving little community of uh, about 1,500 people. Fishing industry was big. So that's, that's kind of his home after Nazareth. And now, now they, hear that, they hear that he is home. And straightway, there's one of those yeah. quick action words of Mark. Yeah, just quickly. I, I at one point went clear through Mark and marked all of the words straightway or immediately. Yeah. And this is the 10th time in this, by the second verse of the second chapter. You, you, you one marked of them and numbered them? I did, I that's numbered cool. them. Second time. So that's cool. the 10th time so far. And, and there you go. Great insight. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad I came here and let yeah, you teach well, me. Hey, right. <laughs> <laughs> Straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Mm. And he preached the word unto them. So it's packed. It's crowded mm -hmm. uh, outside the house. And, and this is a cool story. I love this story. Yeah. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, some, some kind of paralysis, right. which was born of four. And we usually say that these four were friends. It doesn't necessarily say sure. that here. Sure. But uh, when we talk about them, um, they're friends. And verse 4, of course, we know the story. They, they get there. They couldn't uh, get close to him. So they climb up on the roof. Mm -hmm. They tear a hole in the roof. Mm -hmm. And they lay him down. Now, a number of things catch my attention about this. The first one is this guy had mm -hmm. 
some amazing friends. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, they, you know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, Jesus is here. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll carry you there. Right, yeah. Oh, man, it's too crowded. We can't get. Maybe next time. Yeah. That wasn't enough for them. <laughs> right. They, they get him up on the roof. They break the roof apart. Sure. And they get, and now, what was the roof like? Well, first of all, let's, let's deal with one thing at a time. Friends. So here's a little mini lesson, yeah. right? That we, um, as much as we have power to, surround ourselves with good people, good influences, mm -hmm. people that will support us in our faith. Sure. doesn't necessarily have to be just members of the church, right. but people who will support us in our faith and, and help carry us, you know, carry, help us with our burdens. Yeah, so. to, to take us to the healer when we need it, right? Yeah. That are willing to do that for us. Even yeah. If, yeah, Instead of good. trying to direct us somewhere else. Sure, yeah. They, they're taking us to the, the source of help. Yeah, now, the good. roof, um, the, the, the typical home back then in that part of the world was stone walls. Right. And you're a builder, so yep. Yep. maybe you know all of this. I don't, so teach me. Stone walls, and then they would have beams laid across, you know, two or three feet apart. And then um, crossways over that, smaller um, so these, these would be like logs, and sure. these would be like little branches running yeah, okay. across the top, okay. close together, and then thatch, yeah, okay. packed um, earth and, and, and some kind of thatching material, uh -huh. grass or palm branches or whatever. Sure. And so you think about that, digging a hole through that would have been a lot of work. Yeah. And, and maybe that's not exactly what happened. So some people think that maybe it was more like a, a covered patio. Sure. And the thatching was was just sure, not as sturdy, right. yeah, sure. and they, but sturdy enough to hold people, and they broke through that. So that's one thing. Either way, that, that's a that might be a disruptive event happening above you. <laughs> and that's the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, you know, I tried to picture what's what's going on is yeah. the Savior is teaching the gospel, and maybe having a spiritual moment. Yeah. you know, in his right. classroom. Yeah, and all of a sudden the roof is falling apart, and the a man is lowered down. <laughs> And you know how did he feel about somebody inter interrupting his lesson? Yeah. And and I think, I think he probably handled it really well. Yeah. Based on what happens next. Right. And it isn't that isn't that a lesson for all of us? Right. We we prepare to teach. We prepare to preach. We get there and it just doesn't go right. If yeah. nothing, the slides aren't coming up. The, you know, whatever you've planned is going awry, or the students just aren't there. They're not paying attention. Your Sunday school classes, is uh, not prepared or whatever. And uh, the feelings of frustration that could come with things not going the way it, you, you'd intended them. I'm sure that would have been this moment for yeah. Christ, right? I think sometimes plan B really was plan A. Yeah. We just didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I said on this podcast that I don't think we ever live plan B for God. I think it, everything's plan A and yeah. it's our plan F or, you know, Z2, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But but it's all God's plan A originally. So, yeah, that's big. Um can I just touch back on your friend on the friends concept sure. for just a minute? Yeah, uh, there was a talk given um, in general conference some time back um, by Elder Chi Hong Wong. They call him Sam. Yes, uh, of the seventy, and uh, he talked about this. Um, and before you get too deep into this story, just the the overarching concept that he was sharing was that the friend systems that um, were in place for this man. Um, are, are maybe like our ward systems should be, mm -hmm. where our elders quorum and our relief society and our bishopric and our primary Sunday school. Ministering brothers. Yeah, th those structures, if we're all paying attention, we all grab a corner and we really can help a an individual be taken to the Savior and 
Um, just the, the, a quote from that talk, and it's just worth your time. It's called Rescue in Unity, and it's, again, Elder Chi Hong Wong of the 70. And here's a quote that I just love. In order to assist the Savior, we have to work together in unity and in harmony. Everyone, every position, and every calling is important. I think as we talk about our friends, we need to also recognize that the structure of the church, the organization of the church, is important in our safety and security. Yeah, it, we ought to have ought to have built-in friends. Yeah, built-in family. Right. With with the the network we have in the church. Yeah, yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So we've broken the ceiling open. They mm -hmm. they they lower him down, mm -hmm. and uh, and so we're in verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Huh. And I've wondered sometimes if I were the, the man with the palsy and I'm laying there. I came for my reason. Yeah. And then I hear this. Yeah. And how do I feel? And my answer is, I don't know how he felt, but yeah. I think I might have been... Like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Thanks for that, but... <laughs> yeah, wait, wrong, wrong appointment or something. And I, I think the word they in that verse is also interesting. When Jesus saw their faith... Right. He said unto the sick of the palsy. So so we have some influence over others maybe a little bit there. In fact, another reason that some have given for why Jesus did miracles is because of the faith of the people. Yeah, yeah. His friend's faith influenced the Savior's ability to do yeah. miracle in his life. It's pretty yeah. cool. So he says, your sins are forgiven. And uh, there are some scribes sitting there and they're thinking, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, for, for him to say that was blasphemy, but ironically, he's the only person who could say that and not have it be blasphemy. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and so Jesus uh, perceives that what they're thinking, and he says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Verse 9, which is easier to say? I'm changing the words yeah, just a little, little bit. bit for our convenience. Which is easier to say to the sick of the palsy? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say stand up and take your bed and, <laughs> and walk? walk. <laughs> of course, the thinking there is, so I've had students sometimes get confused with this, and, and they say, well, it's easier to say get up and walk. But his point is, you can say to somebody your sins are forgiven, and nobody will know. Yeah. You could be an absolute fraud. <laughs> one way or the other, <laughs> no one knows know. the difference. Right. So, if you say rise up and walk and he doesn't, yeah. And then, you know, you're exposed as a fraud. So he's, that, yeah. that's what he's saying. That's good. Um, although Elder um, Bruce R. McConkie said, ultimately the answer is um, they are equal. Yeah. Yeah. Rise yeah. up and walk or your sins are forgiven. They're yeah. equal. Well, and even, <laughs> I might suggest that my sins not being forgiven would keep me out of the presence of God eternally, right? Yeah. And so maybe there's a, reason to argue that, that that is more significant to say, right? In but, an eternal sense. Yeah, for but sure. But in the, in the present right now, yeah, here's my I, next yeah. thing I've wondered about. He gets up immediately. Uh -huh, there it is. Is that number? That's 12. 12. He, said, he said it again in eight. <laughs> <laughs> and he rose up and he, and he walks away. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, I've wondered if, if what this guy is thinking as he's walking away. What, what was the miracle mm. for him? Well, there were two, right? The miracle of all of a sudden now I can rise up and carry my bed and walk. Hmm. And, uh, and the other is my sins are forgiven. So I, I just have wondered which is more meaningful to him yeah. at that moment. How did he feel about each of those? And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. 
But I think we shouldn't uh, underrate or underappreciate the miracle of being clean. Yeah, right. And knowing it from the, from the Savior. I think that uh, there are um, statements from Elder Bednar um, talking about how when you feel the Spirit, when you know you've felt the Spirit, you can also know that your sins have been forgiven because you're worthy of the Spirit. I think that that would be care we would be careful in understanding that if we have major indiscretions, things that need to be addressed uh, with priesthood leaders, the Spirit can come and teach us when we're learning truth, um, but will not be necessarily a guiding influence as we've, you know, moved outside of that sphere. But but I think generally, if we're worthy of our temple covenants or baptismal covenants, partaking the sacrament worthily, uh, we can know that we're repentant mm -hmm. and forgiven because the Spirit's with us. Yeah. Yeah, Elder, um, then Elder Eyring said something very similar, that uh, the Holy Ghost does a number of things for us, but if we are if we are feeling His presence in our lives, whatever else He might be doing, He will also be cleansing us. Yeah. And, and in the process of repentance, sometimes it's not just feeling that, and sometimes, of course, we have to go and talk to a priesthood leader and, right. and uh, have some some official ecclesiastical things done, but uh, but the Spirit is... And if I could get a, a personal, sure. uh, this idea of being clean. Um, I was raised in a, in a good family, good parents, like Nephi, goodly parents, mm -hmm. and... Uh, and I was a good kid. I was trying to be good. I was wanting to be good. At age 12, just to kind of give you an idea of how weird I was as a teenager, <laughs> I remember thinking at age 12, I, I wanted to be perfect. Mm. I wanted to be perfect. I just wanted to be so good. Mm. And I thought, you know, probably by age 40, you'll get that. <laughs> I can be perfect. <laughs> And, you got 28 uh, years. <laughs> in, in some ways, at age 40, I was, you know, actually better off when I was 12. But anyway, <laughs> um, when I was about 16, uh, I I had a favorite sin, and um, which sounds weird to say, but it's we a, all have them. Yeah, we all, we we get it. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I would repent, and it, it would go away, and I would, and then it would come back, and then I would repent, and and I was when I was about 16 or 17. One day, for some reason, it just it just landed on me, mm. and I didn't want to have that anymore. I didn't want to have a secret life. I didn't want to have a favorite sin. I didn't want to walk around feeling burdened and unworthy. Mm -hmm. And I I remember going into uh, our family room and kneeling down in front of this old, ugly red overstuffed chair, <laughs> and and praying out loud. I must have been alone at home because I wouldn't have done that with yeah. the mom family. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. And uh, and I started praying out loud, and all I got out was, Heavenly Father. And I started doing this. <laughs> I got choked up, and I couldn't talk anymore. And uh, I started sobbing. I felt miserable. I'd never felt so awful, so unclean, so unworthy. I thought about uh, my Heavenly Father, and uh, He's blessed me with so much, and here's how I express my gratitude for that. And I thought about the Savior and His amazing gift of the atonement, and here's how I am 
maybe even abusing that mm. gift with my insincere, repetitive repentance. Mm. And, and then something I'd never really thought much about before, I thought about my mother in heaven. Mm. And, and maybe with, like a lot of moms, even more tender feelings than a father. Mm. And... And I was just this puddle of kneeling 17-year-old boy and, and, and tears. And I don't know how long that went on, but eventually I was able to talk. And, and I, all I could think of to say was, I'm sorry, mm. over and over again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And... Uh, however many minutes that went on, and, and uh, that was replaced. Uh, this is kind of like, you know, Alma the Younger on a much smaller scale, but, uh, or, or Enos without having to, you know, be there all night. But yeah. um, And it, it, that left, and what replaced it was, I just felt loved. I think, and I don't want to make this sound like it was more than it was, but I think I will. I know what it will feel like one day when I meet the Savior and He puts His arms around me mm. and says, I love you. Mm. Because that's what I felt. Uh, I love you and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I started crying again <laughs> for, for a different reason. And... Uh, when I got up off my knees, and the prayer didn't end right then, but when I got up off my knees, I felt clean. Yeah. And feeling clean is so good. Yeah. And so when this, when this man walks away, amazing that he can walk. That's, a, that's a wonderful and what a great blessing. But if he felt like I felt when I got up off my knees, Man, what a what a wonderful miracle the atonement is for us. Yeah, brother Knight, thank you. That what a tender experience, and I think uh, listeners ought ought to have those same kinds of moments in their life, and we ought to we ought to seek after that. And I, as you're talking through that, I'm thinking of my current favorite sin, and uh, <laughs> what which is <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just thinking what what do I need to do to get right to get to a point where I can get right, yeah. right? What, what, uh, what thoughts and feelings and, and study or uh, actions do I need to put into my life to get to a place where I could even have that prayer and feel the way you were feeling in that moment? And I don't think it requires a lot. I don't think God expects us to, you know, stack up a whole bunch of events prior to going and asking for forgiveness. Um, in fact, maybe he doesn't require any of that. Um, but uh, I, I think that the more we seek for that forgiveness. You know, we, we started this episode talking about miracles, right? And I don't know. I mean, as cool as I, it would be to see an ocean part or, you mm -hmm. know, something like that, I think that feeling of personal cleanliness spiritually and, uh, and, and worthiness <laughs> is something that I would rather have than see a mountain move or an ocean part. I think that uh, to know that, to feel that. I had, had an experience on my mission where... Uh, at the end of my mission, very last day, uh, my mission president sat me down and said, I was told by an apostle that when I feel prompted in interviewing missionaries before they go home, 
that I and I feel like they've served worthy and, and faithful missions that I can tell them they've, they're going to go home totally clean like the day they were baptized, mm. having served faithfully on their mission. And, and my mission president was able to say that to me. And, and it, I don't know that it was different than the day I was baptized, but because I was older, I viewed that differently, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think as we have experienced more in our lives, we really value... Um, that that feeling of clean, cleanliness and, and spiritual worthiness and and, and I love the, the this man's message. Immediately he goes right. That's that word's used. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, "We never saw it in this fashion." Right? That that he goes. He went forth again. Right? I mean, he, this guy goes out and is healed and clean and. I, you got to know that he just goes out and voices it abroad, right? Who would he not want to share right? that with? You know? Yeah, look at me. I'm, I'm not only walking, but I'm, I'm clean. He's a walking advertisement, yeah. kind of. I think sometimes our, our membership in the church feels very transactional. I go to church so that I can have this blessing, mm -hmm. and I do this so that I can have that. And in the gathering um, that is the most important thing going on on earth, sometimes I think we feel an obligation to it. Um, because it's something the prophet said, this is the most important thing, we should all be doing this. So we do family history work, we go to the temple, or we try to invite our friends. When I think if we were all more worthy of that feeling, just like for this man, he would go, you would go, we would all go and gather people to this this Savior that just cleansed me, yeah. right? We, it would Gathering would not be a transactional experience. I did this, so now I've got to do that, right? Um, it would be a, a, a natural, uh, normal and natural thing that we we desire to do, and it just happens. An outgrowth of yeah. our love and gratitude, and yeah, like Lehi wanting his sons to come and his family to come yeah. and partake of the fruit. Right? Maybe that was another reason for the miracles, right? To to have people be gathered to the Savior yeah. at the time, right? That's good. I like that. Yeah, perfect. What a beautiful story. Thank you. And and maybe. That. Maybe the next miracle is in verse 14, or at least a, a beginning of a miracle. Yeah. He yeah. passed by and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. We normally yeah. um, identify that as Matthew, sure. who was the tax collector. Um, and of course, the Jews hated uh, the Roman control, and they hated paying taxes to yeah. a foreign power, and they especially hated the Jews that would sign up to collect those taxes yeah, to help they weren't just taking money and giving it to a foreign power they were they were traitors to their people yeah and so the phrase publicans and sinners you yeah. know they were classed as as uh, among the worst of people and jesus says to him mm. and so I, I just again i keep looking between you know the white parts of the story sure. here that sure. in between and 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 how matthew might feel um hated by by his people and yet here's this invitation from the savior mm. um this the savior doesn't just pick the the popular people yeah he doesn't necessarily pick the people that we might think would be best and sometimes that might be us right that yeah. he's picking and yeah. and we maybe feel like matthew might have felt where you know why me yeah why why do I deserve this? This assignment or yeah. calling or, yeah, even just the children we have, right? I think, you know, my children born to me and my wife, I 
I often feel very inadequate to help them. Oh yeah, coming the way they come to Earth now, they're they're just different and uh, in a good way. So much more capable and spiritually set than I was, I think, and and prob probably from the pre-existence they yeah. come that way, right? That's the valiant, yeah. Like you, I was told that he saved the valiant for the last days, yeah. and I always thought that was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm learning it was actually them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, in the um, it, my son asked me a question about Matthew. Um, said, "Dad, why did they not like Matthew?" And and I just quickly kind of put it together in the well. If if Russia was in charge of our country right now, and our neighbor was working for Russia to collect taxes from me, and then they're just handing it off to Russia. I would probably have issues with my neighbor being like, dude, why are you working so closely with this this foreign power that's yeah. invading us? And uh, I think just that simple kind of like, oh, like put it in our day and it's a very different, um, uh, it feels very different, a little more visceral. We, yeah. we can understand that a little bit. So, Yeah, thank you for that. That's another miracle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he goes and he eats with... Uh, Levi or Matthew mm -hmm. and some of his public and sinner friends. Yep. And uh, Jesus takes some flack for that. And I don't want to, I'm going to kind of gloss over this a sure. little bit, but, uh, you, you know, they, the Pharisees see him and say, how is he drinking with these people? Why is he mm -hmm. associating with such wicked people if he's supposed to be a good person? The Pharisees' approach was to avoid people yeah. that they didn't uh, view as Unworthy worthy or, or good yeah. enough for them. Right. And Jesus responds and says, you know, the people who are healthy and whole don't need a physician. Sure. I'm here to heal the sick people. Mm. And so kind of a almost a backhanded, well, sort of a compliment to them. Yeah. You, you think you're so good, yeah. so why should I spend my time with right, you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm over here. Uh, and so then there's some other uh, discussion that goes on. Um, one of them is, let's see, where's that? Verse 23. This is kind of an interesting thing. Um, he's walking through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began to pluck ears of corn. Of course, this would be more like heads of, of grain, wheat, sure. or something. Sure. Um, and uh, what they were doing was perfectly legal under the law of Moses. Gleaning. Yeah, yeah. Somebody could walk along, and if they were hungry, they could you know grab a handful. Sure. And you can't see you know what I'm doing with my hands, but you're holding you know the palm up, and you got grain there, and the other hand comes on top, and you move it back and forth right. to separate the grain from all of the outside sure. stuff, the chaff and so on. Sure. And then they pop it in their mouths and eat. Yeah. And, uh, and the Pharisees were watching, or had sent somebody to watch, and, and they, they start saying, hey, they're breaking the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're doing farm work. Yeah. This little motion of yeah. rubbing and your hands and together. Forth, right? and they're doing farm labor. Hmm. And uh, and so Jesus teaches about um, you know how David, um, when he was hungry, went to the uh, the high priest, the, uh -huh. the, the tabernacle, uh -huh. and he ate. He was starving, and he ate the shoe bread. Right. So when you walked into the tabernacle, on the left would be the candelabra. Uh -huh. In front of you would be the altar with incense, incense, uh -huh. and and the the curtain behind that or veil and then you couldn't see but in the back room was the the the, the holy of holies and the uh, you know Indiana Jones what he was looking for oh yeah the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> and uh, and then on the right was a table with this these 12 loaves of bread the shoe bread or bread of the presence and the, the they would make them they would sit there for a week and then the, the, the priests would eat them yeah 
but that was they were the only ones. Yeah. But here's an exception. In in his time of need, yeah. an exception was made. And so he said in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then the JST in the appendix, yeah. verse 26, or actually it's 28, but in the JST it's 26 and on. Wherefore the Sabbath was given unto man for a day of rest, and also that man should glorify God, and not that man should not eat. For the Son of Man made the Sabbath day, therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And so... I don't, I don't know that we need to talk a lot about Sabbath day. That was something a, a few years ago that, yep. you know, we were told we're not being pharisaical. We're teaching the principle and and you decide how your actions show that you love God. Right. Yeah. And section 59 is maybe the best single place to go in scriptures to go and check ourselves mm -hmm. and see how we're doing yeah. with keeping the Sabbath day holy. Yeah. I love that, though. I love that, you know, the Savior is helping us learn uh, that the the principles behind the law are more important than the law, right? That, that the, the practice was given to, especially back then, given so that adherence to uh, a lifestyle that would allow the Spirit to come into my life, right? That, that they were told, don't walk this far on the Sabbath, don't collect manna on the Sabbath, don't write these things that would, would be like work, um, really was just trying to get them to live their lives in such a way that the Spirit could work with them and that they would be obedient, that they were showing obedience. But, but uh, the Savior here is teaching that, that, that those principles uh, or the law shouldn't usurp being good and kind and um, benevolent to those around you, and um, and the Pharisees and Sadducees were definitely that, right? They were just definitely, if it if it fell outside of the law, you shouldn't do it, and we're going to ridicule you if you are. Yeah, which is so contrary to the whole purpose of the law. Yeah, we're supposed to keep the commandments, but not all commandments are of equal value, right. equal worth, and yeah. so sometimes uh, there's a greater need that needs to be met. Yeah, yeah. Um, love the, it. The the, the comment was made in, in, I can't remember who it was in general conference many decades ago, saying, you know, that the provision is made that an exception can be to get the ox out of the mire. Mm -hmm. And that's okay as long as we didn't put the ox there the yeah, day before. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. I like that. I like that. Just that statement that the Savior makes there, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. I think if, if the Sabbath is benefiting you to draw closer to your Savior and the Father and man, maybe we're doing it right and when we feel mired down by rules and yeah, maybe we're missing it maybe we're missing the purpose yeah. And, yeah yeah i actually kind of again personal so i'm not saying this is what everybody should do but after that uh, emphasis was put on it and and on, on further study and reflection i actually kind of loosened up a little bit sure in in things that uh previously i had said nope nope not going to do not that yeah. But um, you know, if there's if there's a if it's an opportunity to strengthen family relations, right. yeah. you know, I'm not going to go. I don't water ski anyway, but that's sure. the first thing that came to my mind. Sure, I, right. I'm not going to go do some things at all sure. because that would clearly not be a, to me anyway. Yeah. But uh, but other things yeah. that we can just lighten up and and and, and it can be a, a good positive building experience. I know you don't want to spend a ton of time on this, and so I'll just share a quick story. Um, I have had two stake presidents in the same stake who um, 
in their own personal homes treated the Super Bowl very different. Super Bowl being a Sabbath day event. Um, one of my stake presidents uh, over a, a priesthood session, uh, it wasn't a conference, it would have been just a priesthood meeting we were having, invited those in the room to maybe not watch the Sabbath, uh, watch the Super Bowl on the Sabbath and and record it and watch it Monday for family home evening or something. And, Done that. And, uh, <clears throat> and he... Uh, he invited us. It was a very specific priesthood invitation to this year, and it wasn't a forever. It was just consider what you're doing on the Sabbath. And um, knowing him, he was not a big football fan. He was not a, you know, and so his his feelings that day, rightfully as a priesthood leader, were, let's teach this principle. Well, the state president comes in after him is a football fan, big football family, and and they, I think they still go and rent the biggest TV that they can rent <laughs> and put it on the wall, and they have a big family gathering, and it's it's a thing that they do, and and uh, obviously has not asked that of the priesthood holders right. in the stake, but I could see both of those good brethren going to God and saying, I'm going to do this on the Sabbath. Uh, because I'm not a football fan, I'm not going to make that a big day, and I'm going to just push that aside, and I'm going to, if I watch it, I'll watch it the next day. Um, but at the same time, I can see the other good stake president going and saying, Heavenly Father, this is a day for my family, and we all get into this sport, and I don't watch football every Sunday, but but I'm going to do it with my family. It's a big gathering. They have everybody over. It's all, yeah. the, all the wives are there, and the kids are all there, and, and I really can see Heavenly Father saying, okay, on, on that one, okay. We'll be okay with that, yeah. right? It it is for some people. It's sports is their religion. Yeah. Um, but what you've just described is not that at no, all. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I, I just think that's a, a great example of the Sabbath day and how we live it. Different in one home than the next, and both are okay. Both are okay. Well, I'd like actually now to skip to Mark chapter four. Perfect. I love it. Um, just before you jump, chapter three covers. Uh, uh, Christ calling and uh, setting apart his 12 apostles. Um, it also has uh, a reference to his family, his own family, um, being um, believers. Now, I don't know if you're raised with Christ as your brother, um, if you always believe he was the Savior. I, he's perfect, so I, I would uh, assume they had a hard time but not seeing him that way, but, but perhaps there was a time um, where they questioned for a while but I wonder if it was hard to grow up as the younger sibling of the perfect brother right. yeah why can't you be more like <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus <laughs> oh man can you imagine stop Impossible. mom stop mom <laughs> okay perfect so that's where where we get in uh, by chapter four we're we're moving on yeah and in fact I want to go kind of near the end this okay. is a, a story that I just I want to get to verse 35 okay um so he's, uh, he's just finished in Mark, at least, uh, teaching a parable. Okay. And uh, so 35. Would you like to read? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the same day, uh, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, just pause for a second there. Uh, I'm going to do this in a different order okay. than Elder Holland did. Okay. He didn't come back to this verse until the end uh -huh. in his new book. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I just want to highlight that. Okay. Here's what the Savior said. Let's go over to the other side of this lake, the sure. Sea of Galilee. Sure. Okay, go ahead. And when they had sent away the multitude, they looked. They took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. 
And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So the, the ship they were in, typically back then, they would have been 25 to 30 feet long and 7, 8 feet wide, okay. about 4 feet deep. Like a hollowed out tree. Yeah, well, <laughs> well a big, really big, big tree. Big one, but yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, it could hold 15 full-grown adult-type people. Okay. Uh, without all the people, it, it could hold about a, a half a ton of fish. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of the, the boat that we're looking at. And, and storms on the Sea of Galilee could come up quickly and very mm -hmm. violently. Sure. It's about, what, six, 700 feet below sea level with mountains, and the wind could just mm -hmm. come down. And So they were used to this. This yeah. was their life. But they were, well, you'll keep going. The boat was full of water yeah. and people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. So what do you get from that, that he was asleep? He, He's asleep. He's sleeping through a storm. He's in the back of the boat sleeping. And he must have been really... Really out. Tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Here's the Son of God, and, yeah. and he is physically... Exhausted. ...enjoying his sleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, back to 38, where they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Sure. Is that just a little bit self-centered? A little bit. It's all about us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about, you know, maybe they're not worried about him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what about us? Yeah. And so he gets up and he says, Peace be still, the wind's in a great calm. And then he asks them about their faith, of yeah. course. Um, probably it wasn't that they had no faith. Maybe he's being kind of, uh, you know, hyperbolic here sure, and, sure. And, and overstating it to make a point. But, uh, you know, do you really think that uh, the, the ship that has the Son of God in it is going to sink? It's going to sink. <laughs> Plus, and here's, here's what Elder Holland then did back in um, 35 he told them beforehand where they were going to go yeah. and what they were going to do. Yeah. He told them beforehand, Let's we're going to go to the other yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get there. <laughs> and yeah. partway through, it got hard and it got rough and it got scary. And all of a sudden, they think, oh, we can't do this. But, you know, have faith. Yeah. We have storms that can come in our lives and different storms for different people. Mm -hmm. And what's a storm for me might not be a storm for you. But uh, we have our storms, and um, the Savior has a plan yeah. for us. Yeah, I love that. I, I think uh, that we don't trust the plan enough. I, I think about what it would have been like on the boat. And we've got maybe the 12 apostles there with him and him, and there's maybe 13 of them out there on the boat, mm -hmm. and this boat that can fit 15, mm -hmm. and it's filling up with water. Half of them probably are fishermen. They know exactly how to get rid of the water. So they're toiling away trying to unsink this boat. Meanwhile, the Savior's sleeping at the back of the boat, and I wonder <clears throat> that the... the uh, the verse about uh, consider the lilies popped mm. into my head like, I wonder if we sometimes try to save our own selves so much that we don't go to the Savior 
and say, can you just call him a storm? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't just go say, hey, I, I would really like this thing, and if you could do it, that would be really nice. We just work, and we think so highly of our capacity to mm -hmm. accomplish and overcome. Um, the Bible Dictionary talks about, uh, in, in the definition of prayer, it says, many of the so-called difficulties arise that arise about prayer arise from forgetting the relationship we have to our, towards God. He's our father and, and we are his son, or we are his children. Um, but it goes on and it talks about how, which I think is important, that, that we, we forget who he is. We forget that the Savior is sleeping on the back of the boat. Mm -hmm. We've got to wake him up and ask him to help, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, but then it goes on and it says, um, prayer is a form of work. And many of the blessings that God is already willing to grant us are made conditional on our asking for them. That the, the blessing is there. If I just want the storm to be calmed, he's willing to do that. I, he's just waiting for me to ask for it. And I don't know that that is all the time. It is not every trial. It is not every issue that we have or sickness that comes. Um, but I wonder sometimes if we ever ask because it's not every time. Um, and I think I have had experiences in my life where my wife and I have just asked. We've worked, we've tried, we've, we've funneled the boat out as much as we can, um, and it wasn't working. And so we just went and asked, and he blessed us with the answer that we wanted, and the, and the storm was calm, and the seas calmed down, and, and uh, it, was, it was wonderful. So maybe they didn't want to bother Jesus. Yeah. I think Jesus wants to be bothered. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think he wants us to come to him, yeah. and that doesn't mean that everything's going to go away at once like it did here. Right. But, uh, you know, there was a reason for that to happen to them there. And, but, but uh, you know, our blessings can come, our relief can come uh, yeah. in, in the way that we need to. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, the, the, back then, and, and, and I think the way that their culture and society was, when a rabbi was becoming a rabbi, he would get people that would kind of follow and, mm -hmm. and learn about him and understand what he was teaching in his ways. And, and I think at this point, the apostles really were viewing him like a rabbi. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'll, I'll follow him. He's got a good message, and I like this. And then all of a sudden, he stands up, and he's been healing people left and right, right? But now he stands up and calms the elements. And they're like, what? Who am I following? Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think, I think it, it may be in these miracle moments, um, we see who the Savior is, and we not fear him in a in a frightful way, but we recognize what he could do for me. And uh, and we become a little more humble. I think the apostles do. I think when they see these kinds of events happen, mm -hmm. they become a little more humble. I think, again, back to President Nelson's invitation to be looking for the miracles. Yeah. And I think if I can have the Spirit and I can see him, I'll be humbled out and recognize him more. And and it's a, it's not a it's not a vicious circle. It's like a glorious circle of of becoming closer to Heavenly Father because I'm willing to look and see yeah. what He's doing. Yeah. It's pretty and, cool. And looking is a big part of it. Right. Looking. Yeah. 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 Being we, willing. We have to be looking. Well, of course, this, this story probably does for you what it does for me. reminds me of a hymn. Yeah. <laughs> Would you be willing to sing this? I, <laughs> oh, I, you know what I'm going to do? The Master of the Tempest is Raging is the hymn you've got pulled up yeah, on your phone. I just yeah. looked at it. I have a version of this. I'm going to call on my daughter. My, my daughter 
recorded a version of this right oh. after a horrible accident she was in. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, she has a recording of this. I'll, I'll clip that in at the end of this. That's great. Would that work? Yeah. Unless you want to sing it. No, 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 no. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Brother Swinson has a beautiful tenor <laughs> singing voice, and his daughter's also. So I, that would be yeah, so great. Yeah, she's done a wonderful arrangement of that. If that I could, though, um, just share kind of the background. Uh, I get this from the tabernaclechoir.org. Okay. Uh, Master of the Tempest is right. It's the backstory. And so I won't read the whole thing, but um, this was written in the 1870s by uh, Marianne Baker. Okay. She's, uh, a, a, a reverend asked her to, um, you know, write some hymns, and she wrote this one. Events in Baker's own life mirrored the turbulence of the scripture passage. Mm. So, um, her parents died of tuberculosis, left her and her sister and brother alone in, in Chicago. Well, they were together, but without their parents sure. in Chicago. Her brother came down with uh, tuberculosis. Okay. And so she and her sister pooled all their money together to send him to Florida, hoping wow. that the, a better climate Weather, would be good yeah. for him. Mm -hmm. and, but he died, mm. and, and they had no money to get him, you know, his body mm. back. Mm. And she said of this trial, I became wickedly rebellious huh. at this dispensation of divine providence. Mm. Why did God treat us this way? Huh. I said in my heart that God did not care for me or mine, but the Master's own voice stilled the tempest in my unsanctified heart and brought it to the calm of a deeper faith and a more perfect trust. Huh. Elder Hunter, Howard W. Hunter, all of us have seen some sudden storms in our lives. A few of them, though temporary, like these on the Sea of Galilee, can be violent and frightening and potentially destructive. As individuals, as families, as communities, as nations, even as a church, we have had sudden squalls arise which have made us ask, one way or another, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Hmm. And one way or another, we always hear in the stillness after the storm, Why are you so fearful? How is it? that you have no faith. Mm. So uh, a hymn, uh, the lyrics born out of her own personal experience yeah. with desperation and, uh, and deliverance. Yeah. And uh, I can testify that uh, that is a theme, not just in the scriptures, but a theme that can be in our lives. Sure, yeah. Sure, thank you, Brother Knight. That, that, what a beautiful message. Um, and, and we have them, right? We have squalls, we have tempests, our boats fill up, we're sinking. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he does care. He, he is aware. Um, and I don't think he ever is sleeping through them, right? I love that. Brother Knight, thank you. This has been so wonderful. Um, as always, I'll just give you the floor at the end of the day. Uh, is there a message, uh, maybe specific to this, maybe not, um, that you would uh, have the young people of the church know, young single adults in particular, that's most of our audience here, but um, anyone really. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of said it, but I'll just say it this way. I am absolutely certain that our Heavenly Father knows us, our Savior knows us, <laughs> knows us um, in ways that we can't comprehend, loves us in ways that we can't comprehend, and that the Savior has all the power necessary to bless us, and He knows how to bless us in ways that will bless us the most. Yeah. may not always be what we think or want, 
and and sometimes things just are going to be hard. There will be storms. We'll feel like we're sinking, maybe, mm-hmm. but we have someone that wants us to wake him up, wants us to bother him, wants right. us to come to him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just know the heart and soul of my my personal testimony um, is that my father. And my Savior loved me, yeah. <laughs> even if I don't deserve it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just real. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a 17-year-old, right? Yep. <laughs> Brother Knight, thank you. It's been so good to be with you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you.